The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we uh, continue with part two of Armchair Politics with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right, joined by political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. Welcome back, everybody. Good, yeah, are you? Everybody yeah. still there? Sounds good. Yep, I think we're all here. There's still still a little tapping noise uh, occasionally, but uh, we'll we'll. And I took my earrings off so that they wouldn't bang into my receiver. <laughs> <laughs> Must be Henry's Maybe earrings. Maybe one of you are wearing earrings. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> must be must be Henry's earrings. It's Henry's um, earrings. <laughs> yeah. Well, Democrats tasked with organizing the party's presidential nominating convention this year informed state parties and convention delegates on Friday that they will allow for nearly two weeks of virtual voting ahead of the August convention, a move that further paves the way for a Democratic gathering unlike any other. The announcement also highlights the growing divide between the way Democrats and Republicans are approaching their conventions as the coronavirus pandemic continues to spread in the country. Where Democrats, led by uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, have significantly scaled back their convention in Milwaukee and moved to virtual voting, Republicans, led by President Donald Trump, moved their convention to Jacksonville after North Carolina's Democratic governor could not guarantee he would allow a full-fledged, large-scale convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. Will either party convention bring about the usual so-called bump in the polls for the nominees in this year's presidential election? Mm. I don't think well, so. Not enough. Yeah, I, and I, the reason I, I say that, I, I think the numbers are, 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 are pretty well baked in already. I mean, I, if you take a look at the polls for the last three years, they haven't changed much. And, you know, the, the amount of voters that were still in play is, is smaller than it's been for a very long time. So, I, I mean, even above and beyond the coronavirus and these odd conventions that they may have, 
I, I really wonder whether it's going to make much difference in the polls, as it normally does. You're right. Typically, there is a bump, but I'm not so sure it's going to happen. Yeah, and you know why? Oh, I think when you get together in a big crowd, uh, there's an emotional uh, feeding off of each other. When you when you get that high and that feeling of support and euphoria that you're all together walking in the same direction, that can't happen while you're communicating through Zoom or or virtually. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I don't think that uh, there will be much of a bump in the poll because not enough people are involved. People have to be involved to generate that enthusiasm and that excitement and that unpredictability about the activities that's going on at a convention. You know, as somebody pointed Uh, out, in in some ways conventions have gotten – Really, it don't serve the purpose they used to. They used to be the place where you really chose the nominee with the smoke-filled rooms and the backroom deals and all that. But for the last 40, 50 years, we've almost always been all but certain who the nominee was going to be before the conventions actually met. So there's been little suspense in that, and as it was, and again, the first half or so of the 20th century and been before. So in yeah. some ways, the purpose of them has changed an awful lot, too. I think the one thing from the last Democratic convention that I remember was the fight over the platform. Um, if you yeah. remember, there was a lot going on there, and that may be uh, the major focus is the platform. You know, what is it we're we're talking about promising to do? Yeah, yeah. And and you know the discussion that everybody's victimized in this country, and therefore uh, they're not being adequately represented and somebody must pay, and the government owes them this or that. It's not the conventions the way they used to have them. People used to fight a lot in these conventions, even before people of color got involved. But they were, they were, we survived and we maintained a democracy and stuff like that. But everybody cannot be victimized in this country. And, and but when we had a have, president... Henry, when we have a president that is constantly the victim. It's not just the president. There's only one person. Yeah, I know, he does but he's such he the sets mood the for the country. Well, yeah, he does. <laughs> well, you know, well, the past, he, the, he the, does the, not the, set the mood for me, and I'm sure a lot of the, the president does not set the mood for everybody. You know, in the past, the networks used to cover the convention gavel to gavel. And uh, now they, they put a couple hours on in the evening for the, at least the major networks because, for the most part, they have become kind of a, like a several-hour ad for the parties. And for the most part, there's not much suspense there anymore. You know, you look in the past, you find you found conventions where you would have dozens of ballots before you chose your nominee as one's various votes were, were traded back and forth to, to pick the nominee of a party. Um, but, but again, I, I still do think that they're, they're an important way of, of getting your, your message out and, and in terms of yeah. the platform, and also important in a way of uniting your party. I mean, parties have all got divisions within themselves, and sometimes yes. the choice of the vice president, the choice of the, the platform, other other arrangements can play a role in uniting or bitterly dividing a party as well. Yeah. Well, the rickety... Yeah, we haven't had, had any... The we ri- haven't had any broker, brokered... Uh, conventions in a while. That's true. No, in fact, I don't think the conventions would be on TV if it wasn't for the balloons. Um, <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> <And> the <laughs> confetti. Yeah. 
Well, the rickety decentralized election system that has been a hallmark of American life is uh, facing its most significant test yet under the combined pressure of a worsening coronavirus pandemic and President Donald Trump's determination to undermine faith in the voting system. In November, this year's presidential election could be unlike anything the country has seen in at least 20 years when the results of the 2000 election hinged on paper ballots and hanging chads. As uh, Trump's poll numbers have flagged this summer, he has increasingly resorted to baseless allegations of widespread cheating and claims that Democrats will corrupt the result of the election through mail-in voting. And as coronavirus cases continue to rise across the country, the need for alternatives to uh, in-person voting is becoming more urgent by the day. Republicans and Democrats are now preparing for a pitched legal battle over which votes will count and when they should be counted. States risking, um, states are struggling to retrofit their voting process to meet the needs of voters concerned about risking their lives to cast their ballot. And primary elections held so far this summer indicate that November could bring historic turnout, albeit by mail-in ballots, and correspondingly, a lengthy wait for election results. Will Republicans around the country ultimately embrace mail-in voting? They must. I think technology technology demands it. And and some of the Western states states that use mail-in voting have have got a strong Republican majority in in, places like Utah especially. Now, we've talked about this several times, some different advantages, and they've been gracefully stated by by our panel that the difficulty with uh, mail-in voting has small uh, components for cheating or misbehavior at the poll. They demonstrate very little emphasis that... Cheaters are widespread at the polls, and Republicans tend to agree with that. Yeah, and no I, Republican. I, 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 th- I think the president's off base when he uh, challenges the uh, uh, all the opportunities to cheat on uh, mail-in ballots over the the standard uh, going to the polls and voting uh, system. Um, you know, my understanding is a, a lot of people have raised concerns about you know, getting 10 ballots in the mail because people who used to live at that address and uh, uh, people who are no longer living, you know, uh, these all show up. But the ballots, when they're completed and signed and returned, are checked against the registration list. Mm -hmm. And once a vote has been counted, you know, a person can't take those ballots and and just send back 10 ballots. And, right. And, yeah. uh, right. And actually, in Michigan, it's not the ballots that, in Michigan, it's not the ballots that were sent out. It was the applications for a ballot that were sent out. And wound up. And people will cheat if given the opportunities. They will. And you know, they, well, uh, one, that's why banks. Well, that's b- why they Bobby, put vaults on banks. Bobby, did you get yeah? did you get your ballot? Yeah, I already cast it. Okay. And, and Paul, I, I think I've not, re- I, I've not received mine yet. I, I turned in my application. I have not received ago. mine. Yeah, so I'm still waiting for mine. 
Well, I, I got mine and returned it because, uh, as, as you all may know, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. And as they say, the, the, the show must go on. And for uh, some of the Flint people who don't have their ballots yet, you will be getting them. Um, but there is uh, a special um, starting tomorrow for the next 10 days, you know, excluding the weekends. Um, I have uh, all of the candidate interviews I've done regrouped so that each day is a different office and all of the candidates are heard that day. Uh, like, for example, Friday, all three of the candidates running for Genesee County Sheriff are on the show. Um, next Monday, all five of the candidates in the 34th District State House seat. And it will continue like that um, and and end on the uh, 28th, we're back on the 29th for a live uh, armchair politics. Uh, Dane Walling will be joining us for that. Um, next Wednesday is, uh, is a repeat. It actually has uh, one of the candidates for judge, and then the two hours that we did with Woodrow Stanley uh, last month where we just dropped all of the all of the news things and talked about racism for two hours. Um, well, we'll, we'll so hear we that one. we got exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> we pretty much... Discussion. I was exhausted when that was over. It was a good discussion, yeah. though. But it was a good discussion, yeah. and that one seemed appropriate of uh, a, a repeat for next Wednesday. Um, and I, I'm glad I got this opportunity to drop all this information in. One is a reminder to uh, Paul and Henry that you have next Wednesday off, even though there will be a show. But also, oh. I thought that show. Oh, no. I thought I thought <laughs> well, that I'll, show. I'll have to call up Henry personally. Just to, yeah. <laughs> Henry and I can just talk on the phone. <laughs> um, but I thought that was a good show to do as a repeat because it isn't time sensitive. I, uh, speaking of candidates, I spoke yesterday morning with a gentleman that's going to be running in the 6th District for the county commission as a write-in vote because the Democratic Party doesn't have a candidate on the ballot in that race. And so this man is running in a write-in. And you might want to talk to him when Interesting. Back. Well, yeah, when, yeah. You know, once we get past the primary. I His name is Tim Drager, D-R-A-E-G-E-R. And uh, he's a very interesting guy. He's got a lot of really great experience. Well, I have to. I'll have to look into that. I I had to do a certain amount of limiting, and so the um, the shows the the candidates that you'll hear um, are only those that are in contested primaries, mm -hmm. where you know there are multiple yeah. Democrats running or multiple Republicans. Like tomorrow, for example, we'll hear the uh, the two Republicans that are running to uh, take on. Uh, Congressman Kildee in the fall, and right. um, and, and so they're they're only um, ones where you have to make a choice. There are a couple of judges' races, three state house races, uh, both the um, and uncharacteristically, both the uh, prosecutor and the um, uh, county clerk, and uh, also the drain commissioner have primary challenges yeah that's unusual that's and and those are all included in this uh next uh 
10 days or so. Anyway, we have to take a short break, and we'll come back, and we'll get back to the news uh, when we return with Armchair Politics with Paul Rosicki, Henry Hatter, joined by Bobby Clayton Walton. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, we're going to let them squeeze in a little bit. And uh, we'll be right back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. I was telling you a little while ago about my wife, and I don't want you to be confused, but we were, I've been married more, more than once. And in fact, I've been married three, three times. But my first two wives each died a very tra- tragic death. My first wife died from eating po- poisoned mushrooms. 
and my second wife died from a fractured skull. She wouldn't eat her mushroom. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsi than flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with our weekly roundtable. Um... Florida, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is pushing to reopen schools in the fall against the advice of some of the nation's top health officials and said if Walmart and Home Depot are open, schools should be too. I'm confident if you can do Home Depot, if you can do Walmart, if you can do these things, we absolutely can do the schools. I want our kids to be able to minimize this education gap that I think has developed. DeSantis added that online learning is just not the same and that he worried about kids not being able to socialize and missing out on activities. The governor's comments come days after uh, President Trump said that he was going to put pressure on governors to reopen schools this fall. Even as the virus surges in states across the country, Florida has become a new hotspot for the uh, virus, with the state reporting more than 230,000 cases, according to data provided by Johns Hopkins. Is the governor's comparison flawed by the fact that retail store attendance is voluntary and school attendance is mandatory? Well, I think that's one distinction. The, the other one that I saw somebody post on Facebook a while back was that you don't normally go to Walmart or Home Depot for for five or six hours a day, or five days a week, six or seven hours a day. You know, you go there occasionally for a short time, for half an hour or so. So and it, I think there's some real differences there. Um, and I was struck by some questions people raised about the, going back to school. I mean, what... If you have a class and all of a sudden one kid shows up with a virus, does the whole class have to go home for two weeks to self-isolate and, or, and the instructor as well? I, I don't really know. And, and I can uh, see some real problems there. And, and I'm concerned about the uh, notion of wearing a mask for that long a period of time. That's true. Yeah. 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 And even getting the kids to keep them on and wear them appropriately. Yeah, but, but guys, there are two issues on the table. One is saving the American economy, about which we cannot survive. And we will end up in endless degradation and entanglement to get it back together. The other is educating kids, which is critically important. But we are far apart on those two fundamental issues. Uh, one's led by Democrat, the other's led by Republican. They need to think this through. They need to think about and compromise and, and uh, come out with a position that minimizes the danger of destruction in either case. It can be done. People have done that before. That's what yeah. they did in 1789. One of the big well, problems with do. this... We need to with... make sure that we're all on board. One of the big problems. Actually, we will never get through this this conflict. One of the problems with this pandemic uh, situation is when it when it first began back in March when it when it first started to become a, a big deal in the U.S. 
um, people acted immediately like we were going on lockdown for a couple of weeks and the thing would go away, in part because the president sort of characterized it that way, but also because Americans are kind of hooked on immediate gratification. They expect everything's going to blow over fairly quickly, and um, they don't have a lot of patience where this is concerned. And just recently, uh, Tony uh, Fauci um, said, you know, he, he thinks we're we're looking at a year, year and a half before there's, a, you know, a, an effective um, change through yeah, well, vaccines and, and so on. Um, and, and historically, we've seen, um, you know, and I keep throwing back to the uh, Spanish flu. That was almost a two-year, two- or three-year process. It was right? more like three years, Paul. And, <laughs> yeah. and in, in part because there were waves caused by people's impatience. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the more we, we tried to get back to normal, the more the thing kept shutting us down. And, and I think we need to look at those things and our experience with those things so that uh, we can give it the kind of uh, consideration that Henry is suggesting. We're in this for a lot longer than a few weeks. We're, we're in this for longer than getting through the November election or getting sure school started like it, yeah. in the fall. And people mm-hmm. have to come to terms with that or they're going to go stir-crazy. You know, I, 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 you're, you're right, Tom. I recall in the spring that people said, well, gee, it's going to ease back in the summer, then that might happen, might be worse in the fall. But here we are in the middle of summer, and it's it certainly hasn't eased back at all. Well, they've been and trying to compare it to a flu. Mm-hmm. And the only thing it has in common with the flu, uh, well, it does have some symptoms, and it, and it, it is a virus. Pneumonia. But it's, but it's um, it's it's its own thing. It doesn't react the same way the flu did as right. we've seen, um, you know, warm weather, especially warm, damp weather was supposed to be bad for it. And, That's right. you know, temperatures and humidities are up all over the country and especially in the south. And it's and it's raging there. So mm-hmm. summer was not going to be, you know, the natural cleanser people hoped it would be and you know some some medical experts are comparing are saying that uh, that next winter is going to be considerably worse than what we've seen so far yeah it's exponential i think um on the subject of the whole thing about a virus i read something the other day uh, comparing it to the chickenpox virus which stays in your body if you've had it and it can cause problems later on, shingles and such. Uh, the HIV virus, which uh, compromises your immunity, and it doesn't really go away. You can just learn to live with it. Um, and they mentioned two or three other viruses. So the idea that once you have it, um, it could stay around and cause you further problems, to me, would make anyone to want to avoid having any way to, to do with it. It's not like a cold where you get over it in a few days and then you go on with your life. It's something that can really impact on your health. And as far as the schools, which is where we started this thing, I worry about um, transportation. How are we going to get kids to and from school on buses? How are yeah. we going to make sure that they wear the, the masks adequately? How are we going to make sure that staggering 
arrival times and everything like that is actually going to rea uh, react in a, a, a wonderful educational opportunity as opposed to just a way to keep the kids away from mom and dad so mom and dad can go back to work someplace where they have to wear a mask. Uh, in the name of saving the so-called economy, I don't. I think Henry was wrong. There are three elements here, and the third one is health. Yeah, no, this is this is a very serious issue, obviously. <clears throat> and I, I also wonder, in terms of, of of college campuses, what's going to happen when all of a sudden there's an outbreak of some dormitory or some fraternity house on in Michigan State or Ann Arbor? Uh, yep. Are they going to roll back there halfway through the semester? Yep. I think our whole educational system and our approach to educating is going to be changed drastically through this experience. My, my daughter-in-law is a teacher in Colorado, an excellent teacher. And without the teachers being prepared on exactly how they're going to be teaching, are they going to be teaching online classes? How do you do that adequately? How do you engage the children? How do you get them to learn and to maintain what they've learned? And how do you test them? And how do you... How do you incorporate that? I know earlier when you were talking to uh, the people from Sovita and from the Genesee Health Plan about the um, impact of the children writing essays and competing uh, in a competition on health and their families, that was one creative way of getting kids involved even though they weren't in a group in a classroom. I was very impressed with that. Yeah, I, I'm thinking maybe Sesame Street should become K-12. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. After, uh, let's see, um, oh, this this is a story that, that really caught my attention. Uh, an interview recently in the New York Times says that uh, President Donald Trump considered the idea of selling Puerto Rico in 2017 <laughs> after the island, this is not an X-File, folks, I, I, I saw the story. I know what you're talking about. After yeah. the island was <laughs> devastated by Hurricane Maria, the former acting Homeland Security Secretary told the New York Times in an interview published Friday, the president's initial ideas were more of as a businessman, you know, Elaine Duke, who was serving as DHS acting secretary when the hurricane hit the island in September of 17, told the Times, can we outsource the electricity? Can we sell the island, you know, or divest of that asset? Trump reportedly said, according to Duke in the newspaper interview, she said the idea of selling Puerto Rico was never seriously considered or discussed after Mr. Trump raised it, the paper reported. Trump has previously taken aim at Puerto Rican officials for their management of the billions in relief funds his administration has appropriated for storm recovery, accusing the island's leaders of spending some of that money for reasons other than hurricane cleanup. In November 2018, White House officials told congressional leaders and appropriators that the president did not want any additional relief funding uh, sent to the island. Trump has consistently denied any fault for his administration in the aftermath of the storm. The president has instead sought praise for his handling of Hurricane Maria, calling it an incredible unsung success last year. But I, after I read that story... Um, I, 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 I couldn't help wondering if, if the well, the question I have is: Is the idea of selling Puerto Rico as far-fetched as it sounds? 
Well, I mean, there's a French Solus Louisiana purchase, I guess. That's true. What about you know? <laughs> what about they'll... giving up U.S. influence uh, over the Philippines? Um, you know, what about divesting some of these things, like cities around the country are, are learning to do as some of them are shrinking? Yeah, but when those were done, they were strategically done. You guys know that. Uh, the, they needed the Philippines and Hawaii as a defense mechanism against the Chinese and the Far East part of war. And I thought it was a good investment, and it still is a good investment. I would not support divesting from there. I think uh, I think the issue of strategic planning for our global influence has, has got to have a role to play. And the more we shrink yeah. and put walls around our country, the less influence we have in the world. And I think uh, if, you know, in a joking way, maybe we could trade... Uh, with Finland, and what was it he wanted to buy? Greenland? He wanted to buy, uh, buy Greenland, remember? Yeah, right. Just make, make a trade. <laughs> yeah, my, my thought is, yeah. this is, isn't this just Trump's uh, New York real estate background? He's trying to trade countries like he'd trade uh, hotel buildings or, or lots in, in Manhattan someplace. It, it may be a good <laughs> idea for all of the new immigrants that we bring in that we don't have a place for. To be right. Right. And all would... of the people who want don't want to be Americans anymore. <laughs> right. England, England tried it that would... once. They they called it Australia. <laughs> True. And they called it. But but when you look at the difference between Puerto Rico and the Philippines, Puerto Ricans are American citizens, and the people yeah. in the Philippines are not. That's so right. to sell yeah. to sell land out from under American citizens who have their own identity and their own their own form of government seems to me to be very unconstitutional. I uh, Not unconstitutional, but it's not the right thing to do. We can sell it as we bought uh, the, the Midwest from France at a time of need for the French. Well, could, the you the could, you could you sell California? Could you sell California? Yeah, to who? Could you sell <laughs> <California>? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who could afford it? Nominations. Let's sell Mississippi. <laughs> uh, you, you've already been beat. There are many Black Lives people want that. Those territories. They want Mississippi. Well, come up with a price. Yeah, they want states of their own. Some of them are calling for states for their own. We're getting so far from really realism that is pathetic. Well, yeah, we're going to put but, but the, the, some real estate websites for <laughs> Zillow or one of yeah. those. <laughs> Even yeah. even even though it, it's it's easy to think of this as being sort of uh, cartoony because of Trump's uh, you know whole real estate uh, mogul image that he likes to portray, um, it it just occurred to me that it's 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 maybe not as far fetched as it sounds when it's just passed off as why don't we just sell Puerto Rico, I, and and I think Bobby's right a a strategic look at you know what what the country looks like what it should look like how it impacts with the world all of those things uh, really require a lot more attention than they're getting I'm afraid. Well, you know, it's the time you're right in one sense. We did something like that with the Panama Canal back in the late, what, late 70s, I think it was. Uh, we, we reassessed our involvement there, although it didn't exactly sell it, I don't believe, but reassessed our, our involvement there. And, and, and you're right, they were not American citizens. It wasn't in American territory in the same way. But 
but yeah, there there have been times we've reassessed our involvement in some of these outlined territories. Yeah, and you know, there's been a movement afoot for the last thirty or forty years to look at the public lands that are owned uh, by us as a as a country, as citizens of a country, and and taking those assets and liquidating them and turning them into money to put into the treasury where you would sell their land to private interest. And um, I, the, the idea I'm of selling Puerto Rico, well, I am too, but the idea of selling Puerto Rico is just an extension of that. I just, I, I had not heard that comment. With all the coverage that that Trump and, and his uh, back and forth with uh, Puerto Rican officials and so on in the wake of that hurricane, I had not heard this. And, and it, when I saw the article, I thought, you know, this is a more interesting notion than just, you know, this is another odd thing that the president did um, or said. <laughs> I, I I just I thought it was maybe worthy of a little bit more discussion or consideration. Anyway, anyway, that I just wanted to, you know. Well, you know, the everybody. people in Puerto Rico, the people in Puerto Rico at that time, had saw themselves as victimized. The president had to first take care of the people on the mainland, or he would be murdered. So he took. That's what he did. And many people in Puerto Rico thought that power should be immediately um, replaced or, or uh, repaired so they can get back to the daily routine of life. But that also happens everywhere in the country. If our power goes out, everybody demands that the government act immediately and serve them first. But Puerto Rico, they have to wait their turn. Well, you know, you I know, think... They've had a number of referendums in Puerto Rico over the last several decades about independence. And yeah. I, unless I'm mistaken, I think the, the, the pro-independent vote has failed substantially every time they've done that. And Gerald Ford took a yeah. bullet over it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think also, from going back to Tom's original premise, if you look at any activity where the government is going to go, and I'm such a boring person, but I always look at the cost and benefits. It's like, what do you gain from keeping them and what do you gain from, from selling them? So it would seem to me that any time you engage in selling off an asset or disposing of an asset, you've got to look at what you're giving up as well as what yes. you're gaining. Well, yes. and, and you know, there's there's also the negative side of that. We always think in terms of what can we get for it, but what can we get out from under by doing it? Um, you and know, that's part of the yeah. That's part the, of the evaluation. Yeah, is, is do we have a liability there that's that's worth it, or uh -huh. or you know, flip it or make it a state? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we should make Mexico a state, and then our border would be much smaller. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> and they could share in the national debt. And they have wouldn't have to worry about building a wall. <laughs> that's right. Well, we could build it way down the peninsula. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Makes me th makes me remember the Alamo. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, we were just <laughs> they are. We already took a lot of land from them anyway in that exit. Well, you, you, you no, we didn't take a lot of land. We fought for that land. 
We, we took the it. There was nothing there. There was nothing there. We took it. We took it. We took yeah. California. We took Arizona. We spoils, took spoils, of, spoils of war. Yeah. After and guys, this is, what, this is what other countries would do to this country if you give them a chance, and you were giving them a chance to do that. Right yeah, now, well, you saw Mexico no longer wants Americans coming there. And because yeah. of the virus, they said, <laughs> maybe they'll build a wall to keep us out. <laughs> they don't want us there now. Yeah. Maybe but China, virus, Russia, and Korea, and all yeah. of those will make that well, come true. I've heard people that would like for England to take us back. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. I don't know. They talk funny. Um. <laughs> and they eat funny food, too. Oh, yeah. That's, that, yeah the, the food's a big issue. <laughs> well, yeah. after a few... Jan, as you were saying, I, I believe in keeping all of our possessions and assets. This is what we were born with. They are ours because we didn't have to fight for them. They were already succeeded to us by the American people, and we can't give them up. I'm sorry. What, as- what assets we'll are We'll have to die for them. Pardon? What assets were those? You said we're assets talking about we American lands. With. Um, uh, American, we were born with Texas, and we were born with California, and, and uh, New Mexico, and all of those southern states because they were they were fought for years ago by the American people. We have no right to give. Yeah, them we back. went to war with Mexico for that stuff, and, yeah. and all the Indians across the way in earlier years. <laughs> but yeah. we want to be fair to our Mexican counterparts too. We want to treat well, them actually, with dignity I, and respect. I am I am I am one sixty fourth Choctaw Indian, and I want you to know I am offended. Well, then I guess then I guess you're probably pretty happy about the uh, uh, Washington <laughs> yeah. uh, Redskins changing their name. Or the, I, the, I don't like that. Or the ruling on I happen to like or, the word. I happen to like the word Indian. I grew up with the concept. An Indian is somebody that I admire. Because he was here and helped, you know, and, and helped the, the country grow. Well, that's, he Henry, that's partly because we're getting, that's partly because we're getting old. I'm uncomfortable with the phrase uh, playing cowboys and indigenous peoples. Well, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't look at that. That's, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's part of our culture now. We don't defa- demean Indians because we call them Indians. But they were somebody. How about, about Redskins? They were here Red before we were doing To give that up is a, is a distasteful to American Indians. We're, oh, yeah, we, haven't, maybe, we haven't talked about the, the athletic teams, the, the Redskins, the Blackhawks, the Chiefs, and so forth. Right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But they, right. they don't have any, any names uh, with all of the American athletes. There's nothing that's associated with Africa. And we perform the basic block of that and uh, maybe it's a good thing i don't know but i happen to like american indians well I, the indians don't like it so yeah yeah but it's culture generated by years and years of usage of standards building and stuff like that and we don't treat the indians bad because we call them indians well, we, my we my glorify, uh, my concern American is Indian. as as we try to figure out ways to be non-offensive. Um, that ain't ever going to happen. What do we What do we replace it with? I, I mean, it just yeah. Seems, what do you replace it with? I, I don't. I'm I'm 
I'm missing something in the uh, in the yeah. discussion. But we need to take a short break, and uh, we'll uh, we'll leave it there for now. We'll come back with uh, one of my favorite parts of armchair politics each week, the coveted X Files. Although a couple of these things sounded like they could we could have already been into the X Files. But we will uh, return after we let our broadcast partners uh, squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break, and we will return. Hey, (laughs) this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual play dates. Social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us, at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues with my favorite segment, The X-Files. A U.K. judge has sentenced a man to four years for attempting to steal one of the original copies of the Magna Carta from Salisbury Cathedral in England. Mark Royden from Canterbury, Kent, was convicted Friday of using a hammer to try to smash the security case holding the document at Salisbury Cathedral. Uh, Royden uh, failed to break the protective glass and was tackled moments later by tourists and cathedral staff. Defense attorney Nicholas Cotter said a car accident in 1991 had tragically affected Royden, causing him brain damage and leading him to be the subject of a court protection order. Salisbury Cathedral's Magna Carta is one of the four surviving specimens of the 1215 Charter that established the principle that the king is subject to the law. It is considered the founding document of English law and civil liberties and influenced the creation of the U.S. Constitution. What kind of brain damage results in an impulse to steal the Magna Carta? Or, <laughs> or, or is this just a crazed Nicolas Cage fan? <laughs> Maybe that. No, it was victimized. Uh, those movies, yeah. National he Treasure. He was victimized <laughs> by something that does not live. It's voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I cannot imagine, unless it's because he thought it had monetary value, I can't imagine why he would want to steal it. Well, there's probably a map on the back. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I saw the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. I forgot the Nicolas Cage reference. <laughs> Well, that's part. That's part of what I, I thought. Why would somebody steal the Magna Carta? I just that yeah. didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, a woman in Romania tried to nab a quick photo with a wild bear. The bear had other plans. <laughs> the, the footage captured last week in Bacau showed the woman inching closer to the bear, while someone nearby attempted to take a photo. The bear suddenly lunged forward, and the woman ran. The unnamed person who took the video told licensor Viral Hog 
that in fleeing the bear, the woman leapt out into the road, risking getting herself hit by a car. Fortunately, there were no cars, and the bear did not give pursuit. Apparently, the bear knew better than to cross against traffic. Um, <laughs> Smart bear. Was, was it equally fortunate that the woman was not carrying a picnic basket? <laughs> oh, yes, that's true. That's true. Oh, smart bear. He saw all those flat squirrels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. A uh, Oh, here's one. A spokesperson for the Czech Foreign Ministry confirmed to NPR on Saturday that Polish soldiers mistakenly deterred our citizens from entering a church on the Czech territory in close vicinity of the Czech-Polish borders. <laughs> Czech officials say the incident happened in late May near a small village known just across the border um, from Poland. They added that their diplomats immediately notified their Polish counterparts and that Polish soldiers are no longer present at the site, which Czech nationals can again visit as they wish. Poland's Ministry of Defense did not immediately reply to NPR's request for comment, but in a statement to CNN, officials there offered further details on the misunderstanding between the two European Union members, which they say occurred just across the border from a small Polish border village. Soldiers assisting the country's border guards simply established their post in the wrong location last month. It was not a deliberate act, the ministry said. What's the best way to determine if an event like this is an international incident or an international accident? <laughs> well, at least lucky nobody built a wall around those places. <laughs> I was going to say check, checkmate, but that's a bad joke. Oh, that's right. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, and finally, a 28-year-old British woman saved two sisters and a cousin from drowning in the water off a naturist beach in Cornwall while topless, according to a report. <laughs> She did all she could do to save them in the water um, that's notorious for rip currents caused by incoming tides, regardless of the fact that she has no training as a lifeguard, according to Cornwall Live. I was going to tell them to float, which is the best thing you can do in a rip current, but they were panicking so much it wouldn't have worked, she explained. They were all holding hands, so I grabbed one of their hands and pulled them all onto the beach. The family was very grateful for her service. One of her friends said, not all heroes wear capes. Some of them don't even wear bikini tops. Um, shouldn't you have protective gear when attempting a water rescue or at least a flotation device of some sort? Yes, you I think you would have flotation. She had flotation <laughs> devices. <laughs> <laughs> I knew somebody would not, pick up on that. Yeah, they were just not covered. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and wraps joke. it up for uh, for the X Files and uh, for Armchair Politics. Unless there's anything we didn't get to, I, I know there was at least uh, one story that um, that I didn't. Uh, bring up about the uh, wrapping up of the Supreme Court and uh, whether or not uh, Chief Justice John Roberts is the new Kennedy. Uh, 
Um, it's kind of a surprising con- conclusion in some ways for the courts. The court, I mean, considering how conservative it's been generally, a little, a few surprises in the last month or so. I think Ro- I think Roberts wanted his court. I don't think he wants his court to be seen as political. I think I think yeah. he has an idea of rising above the political labels that come out, and um, I think he is a good leader in that response, even though he's very conservative. But I did see on another issue, um, former White House physician Ronnie Jackson just won the GOP primary runoff up in um, Congressional District 13 in Texas, up in the panhandle. So he may go back to Washington, D.C. Instead of in the White House, he'll be sitting in Congress. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 was interesting. That is interesting. And... uh... Paul had a couple things on his list. He always sends me over an email the day before uh, we get together, um, and and the only th- I don't think we really talked about the uh, Roger Stone commutation, or or did we get yeah. to that? We may we may yeah. passing reference to it. I think yeah. Um, but uh, um, also on his list was uh, the cancellation of Back to Bricks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not not a surprise, but it's one one more huge event that's just off the off the table this year. It's a strange year. Has big economic Yeah. The money money is not there. People are not contributing. The money is not there. So things are dying, and then people who don't want to be caught in the midst of the pandemic, they're following the governor's rules, and there are a lot of things that are affecting that. You would expect that. But, uh, Tom, I wanted to just... uh, Back up one thing, walk back on. When I was talking about America not being as racist as we think it is, I needed to include as an exception the rogue cops. Uh, if we can handle, and there are many people that don't like African Americans, and they will never like them, or they don't like people that are different than they. But the, by and large, the bulk of the American people are ready to move on. I, th- well, I, I think, think that's you're, probably you're true. In terms of the protests, I mean, the protests are very, very, are very integrated, to say the least. I mean, it's not all African Americans yeah. protesting; a lot of whites and so forth. So, yeah, you're you're exactly right in terms of the, the nature of those uh, Black Lives Matter protests. But, but you know, it, it's interesting that Black Americans don't see that; they don't want to acknowledge it. And and other people, uh, the uh, political people, don't want to accept responsibility for it. It is true; it's happening. But we want to keep this division, uh, keep our country in flux until uh, it it collapses. And that's what bothers me. I think about that all the time. And nobody else seems to think that, well, the Constitution will save us and we will live and we will sustain ourselves. But I'm not so sure. Oh, yeah. I'm not so sure. Well, we got to end it there. I don't know. But not before. I I don't know why. I think that, I don't know why we don't discuss the 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 twenty fifty paradox. And well, that's we, we, we should, should be having open discussions. We Thank should. You. Um, I want to say thanks to all of the participants for this week's Armchair Politics. Bobby Clayton Walton, it's always a treat to have you with us. Thanks. And, I like it uh, myself. And our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki. Thank you, Paul. And uh, Henry. Always good to be here. Thank you as well. And uh, as I mentioned, tomorrow on the show, we're going to hear a couple of Republicans that want to take on Dan Kildee. 
Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.